Okay, good morning, everybody. This is Kanuram here. We're entering into part three and four of our discussion about uh, the Ramayan. Um, so we, we discussed a little bit in um, over a couple of uh, over a couple of sessions about the early parts of Ramayan um, by Valmiki and um, and then I was sick last week. I'm sorry to to um, be absent last week, but I wasn't feeling well and wasn't able to prepare. Um, so this week I've spent some time um, in preparation and, and I'll try to speak a little bit about Ramayan. Um, I'm not an expert. Uh, this is my first reading of the Ramayan. Um, prior to this, I was only familiar with Ramayan from uh, the movie that came out, what was used to be called Japanimation, most people now refer to it as anime. Um, so the, that was my primary familiarity with the story of Lord Ram. Um, so it's been a real blessing to to delve into these pastimes a little bit. It's a it's a wonderful story, and um, so we'll talk a little bit more about it today. I'll try to go ahead and conclude the series. Um, and um, we'll try and make an, an overview of, of the whole story. Um, and we'll also try to like see how the story of Lord Ramachandra overlaps with the story of Lord Krishna and Lord Chaitanya. Some. We'll talk about some of those points as well. Um, so thank you all of you for being here. We'll start with some quick invocation prayers. Om Jnana Timirandasya Gananjana Salakaya Chakshur Nilitam Jaina Tasmai Shri Guru Venamaha Siddhanta Pala Saranitya Rasikam Hamsam Vilasatmakam Odaryakya Sudama Sevaka Danam Vishramba Bhakti Pradam Yacha Yukti Vichakshanam Tvakabido Vasista Saktya Sada Pandeham Tripurari Namaka Yatim Sri Bhakti Vedantinam Jai Shri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Nityananda Sri Advaita Gadadhar Sri Vasari Gora Bhaktivrinda Hare Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare 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 Ram Hare Ram Rama Rama Hare Hare So um, one thing that I wanted to open with is um, is a little bit of, about the overview of how uh, Lord Ram's pastimes overlap with Lord Krishna and Lord Chaitanya's pastimes. And I was just, um, I was thinking about how Lord Ram is really the, the same person as Krishna, the same person as Lord Chaitanya. And, um, and how those pastimes, they, they take place in different eras. They take place in different yugas. Um, but they're, they're the same actors portraying different roles. And um, so sometimes I, I have like epiphanies a little later than I should. Um, takes me a while to synthesize all this information and put it all together. And I'll give you one example. I was talking with my wife, Heather, some time ago, some, a few years ago, and I was telling her about Radha and Krishna. And um, and how they like they have a, a secret uh, romance that goes on in the 
forest and the groves of Vrindavan and that Radharani is married to this other man, Abhimanyu. Um, but in their youth, that Radha's parents and Krishna's parents wanted them to be married and and but they get together and they have these rendezvous and my wife is like so they're lovers and I was like yeah they're they're lovers and it like it took me like 19 years or something to figure that to figure that out um I was a little late to the party on that and what she concluded in like maybe one year of getting to know me and getting to understand of Hindu philosophy she had already synthesized it in this you know, in a, in a really brief period of time. Um, so I had a similar epiphany, which maybe comes a little late, um, but everything happens in, in its own time. There's no, nothing as strong as the, an idea whose time has come. So anyway, my, the, my time for the idea to come was recently. And I realized that in, in Krishna's Prakat Leela, in the, in the Lord's Prakat Leela, not just Krishna's Prakat Leela, um, but when he manifests himself in such a way that's visible to us here on earth to set a good example for us and to demonstrate his pastimes and to, um, to attract us to pursue our own spiritual interests. Um, in, those, in those pastimes, um, those are all pastimes of separation. And what I mean by that is that that is one of the, the best ways to enter into those uh, loving pastimes is by having, by cultivating this sense of longing for the Lord. Um, it's one of the, the symptoms of, of bhava. One hankers for the Lord's association. And one longs for that. One yearns for that. Naratam Das has a lot of songs. Uh, dedicated to that topic but that is that's one of the that's one of the ways that we gain entry we ourselves as sadhaka practitioners gain entry into these pastimes is through the there's a i think guru maharaj and i'm sure others they refer to it as like the the low tide of separation and a high tide of union but we we enter we gain entrance into these pastimes. We gain absorption into meditation by that feeling of yearning, longing, and separation. Um, so when the Lord appears and His pastimes uh, occur to plain view um, in the world to ordinary persons like ourselves, even um, or like the the. The personalities, the characters that we hear about in all the Shastras like Ramayana and Sri Chaitanya Charitamrita um, and Krishna book, Srimad Bhagavatam. Um, when he appears to those people, the, the, the same thing happens again and again in each of those pastimes is that the Lord, the Lord is separated from those people that love him the most. So in Krishna's pastimes, he grows up in Vrindavan. And he's there, he's there with Mother Yashoda, and Nanda Maharaj, and Srimati Radharani, and Sridham, and Subal, and Lord Balaram, and, and so many other players. And then he's invited to Mathura by Kamsa. 
and Akura comes with this chariot and Krishna and Balaram get on the chariot and, and uh, Nanda Maharaj goes with them. And some of the cowherd boys, they go to Mathura and then Vasudeva and Devaki, they say, well, they say to Nanda Maharaj, like, well, now that he's here, you've been, you've done such a wonderful job of raising him, but he should get an education. And, and, um, and so in that way, Krishna stays on uh, in Mathura, um, and then he becomes uh, separated from all those people that he loves in Vrindavan. Um, and then he goes on to Dwaraka, and he marries, you know, 16,108 princes, and um, has his sons, and has his pastimes, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. Um, and so in that way, Lord Krishna is separated from all of those people that he loves and all those people that love him. Um, in a similar way, uh, Lord Chaitanya is, um, he grows up in Navadweep with, um, with Mother Sachi and Jagannath Mishra and Vishvarup and so many loving uh, people all around. Advaita Acharya, uh, Srivastakur, and um, and then he he grows up, and of course he's not a devotee, and then he later he becomes a devotee by the um, by the grace of Ishvara Puri and and um, and others, and the and then um, Nityananda comes from far away and. Uh, Lord Chaitanya is married and he has a wonderful wife and then um, and then he decides that he's going to take sannyas and then so Lord Chaitanya uh, goes and in a, a fit of madness so to speak he, he takes sannyas and then he leaves all of these people that like he has such a deep relationship with and um you know, Srivas Thakur comes to mind because um, at the home of Srivas, um, Srivas's son passes away one night during their uh, Rasa Kirtan. And um, anyway, Srivas is, um, is hardly. Um, moved by the passing of his son uh, because he didn't want to seem upset because um, he didn't want to disturb the mood of Lord Chaitanya. So that whole pastime goes on and Lord Chaitanya gives some foreshadowing there. He says, you know, how could a, how could a person like myself leave such people who, who love me so much? Um, and anyway, so in that way, Lord Chaitanya is separated from all those people that, that he loves and all those people that love him. And in the same way, um, we find here in this story about Ramachandra that he, um, he's also uh, thrust into this, these feelings of separation. All the devotees that love him are thrust into these feelings of separation. And um, so we, we talked a little bit about, about that in our first meeting that, that um, so Ram is one of four brothers, Ram and Lakshman and Shatrugna and Bharat 
and they have different mothers um, because of the um, Dasarath was married to three different queens. Koshalya is Ram's mother, and Sumitra is uh, the mother of twins, Lakshman and Shatrugna, and Kaikei is the mother of Bharat. And Kaikei, of course, was the youngest and most beautiful of Dasarath's wives. And knowing that Ram was going to be crowned king, her servant, Mantara, came to her and um, as Guru Maharaj says, uh, appears to her as the, the personification of envy. Um, and so this person, Mantara, knowing that Ram is going to be crowned king, that, and that Koshalya will now be the foremost queen because she is the eldest of Dasaras queens and also the mother of the king after Ram's coronated. She knows that she's thinking that she's going to be left in the lurch. She's going to not going to have the same amount of respect and uh, appreciation and um, the same amount of like money and compliments and publicity. Um, so she encourages Kaikei to have Dasarath grant her these two boons. And um, so, what, of course, these boons are, uh, the, the first boon is that her son, Kaikei's son, Bharat, uh, be installed as the king. And the second boon is that Ram be banished, be exiled from the city of Ayodhya and made to live in the forest for 14 years. So, uh, these boons are granted by Dasarath, and he's because he is a, a devotee of virtue. He's a devotee of honesty and truthfulness, and uh, one's word is one's bond. And he he's um, that's kind of his dharma. That's like what he's made of in that particular pastime. And so, at the same time, so at the same time, that's profoundly heartbreaking for him um his story is a very sad one um so anyway he he asks ram to leave um ram of course is um is dasarath's son he is um obliged to to leave and accepts that uh, without um without the least bit of frustration or sadness um and we see like on the on the other hand we see a totally different side from lakshman he's really inflamed he's really irate but the the point that i'm that i'm making for the moment is that all these pastimes of krishna's uh, krishna and ram's and lord chaitanya's um pastimes are pastimes of separation um, but the, the apricot pastimes, the pastimes that go on in the, the Nitya Vrindavan or the, the Nitya Navadweep, the Nitya Ayodhya pastimes are going to be pastimes of union. It won't be that there's, that there's all this feelings of separation. Like you, you see like some good examples of in Lord Chaitanya's pastimes where there's a lot of separation, like, um, Rupa Goswami and Sanatana Goswami, 
they're pining for Lord Chaitanya and they're not able to be there with Lord Chaitanya, but it, it's not going to be like that in the, in the Nityanavadweep. So anyway, that, that's one of my epiphanies and that's a, a long elaboration on the nature of it. Um, but I wanted to talk about that a little bit. Um, so seeing all those personalities um, made me think about Lord Chaitanya presenting himself to Nityananda in the Sadbuj form. And um, so there's, there's really not much that's said. I look back in the, in the Chaitanya Charitamrita in the Adi Lila to find where this happened. Um, and there's really not a whole lot that's said. I'll, I'll share it with you just quickly. Um, let's see. So this is the description that I found thus far. Um, I just went through here quickly this morning to find this one. Um, But it happens um, in the chapter called The Pastimes of Lord Chaitanya in His Youth. Um, but it says here, after this function at the house of Srivas Thakur, Nityananda appeared, and when he met with Lord Chaitanya, he got the opportunity to see him in his six-armed form. The form of Sadbuj, this is Srila Prabhupada's purport, the form of Sadbuj, the six-armed Lord Gorsandar is a representation of three incarnations. The form of Sri Chaitanya, I'm sorry, the form of Sri Ramachandra is symbolized by a bow in one hand and an arrow in another. The form of Lord Krishna is symbolized by a stick and a flute, like those generally held by a cowherd boy. And Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is symbolized by a sannyas danda and a kamandalu or water pot. Um, there's one more verse. One day, Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu exhibited to Lord Nityananda Prabhu a six-armed form bearing a conch shell, disc, club, lotus flower, bow, and flute. So, um, just, uh, just uh, this, uh, this idea that, that, the, that, um, this deity sort of represents how the same personality is manifest in all these different pastime across different yugas with different, slightly different players uh, or with the same players in a lot of ways, playing different roles. Um, like Lord Ram himself playing the, the parts of Krishna and Lord Chaitanya and Lord Balaram playing the, the parts of Nityananda and Lakshman um, and a lot of others. Uh, so, um, anyway, we we got we got a. I'll try and talk a little a little more about the pastimes that are there um, in Ramayan. Um, so, I think we where we left off last, we left off where Ram had um, been banished from the kingdom, and. Um, And he's just about to depart, and he he goes to to visit everybody, basically to say his to bid his farewells to his mother Koshalya, and he asks her to take care of King Dasarath. He was gonna he 
Brahm knew that King Dasarath would be heartbroken and that he would need all of her uh, help and assistance and love and affection in, in such a heartbreaking time. Um, and he spoke with Sita and of course Sita said that she was gonna come with him. And he spoke with Lakshman and he said that he was gonna come with him. Um, and then they, they depart from the city of Ayodhya. And then, so Sumantra is one of Dasarath's primary servants. So Sumantra um, got a large chariot and drove them out of the city of Ayodhya. And so many people were going along with them and, and followed them up to the, um, to the edge of the Ganges. And they stayed overnight there um, with all these people that had come along and basically the Ayodhya was practically emptied because all these people were following along. And um, so the, the following day, Ram bid them all farewell and, and boarded a boat and, um, and encouraged all of them to stay behind, to return to the city of Ayodhya. And the three of them, Lakshman and Sita and Ram, would all go forward and, and live in the forest. So um, after some time, they had lived comfortably in the forest um, at a place called, the, uh, the mountain called Chitrakut. And um, Chitrakut, Chitraketu. Anyway, they had lived there for some time and that, um, they had some encounters with different sages and different Brahmins that lived in the forest. And, um, and Ram noticed that some of these Brahmins, they were a little anxious and they were speaking among themselves while he was having, while Ram was having an audience with them. And so Ram asked if some, if some of their party had had some bad behavior that if they had done something wrong, if, if maybe a Lakshman had said or done something Sita had said or done something. And, um, and then the, the Brahmin said, no, no, it's, it's nothing like that. Uh, the, the source of our anxiety is that we're our sacrifices, we perform these sacrifices and that there are many, uh, many demon rakshasas that live in this forest um, and they come and they disturb our sacrifices. And um, so they were hoping that Ram could help to dispatch those persons. One of them is, uh, is the brother of Ravana. His name is Kara. And there are 14,000 others, uh, 14,000 other Rakshasas who live there in the Dundalk forest. Um, so... Um, so the, there are many, I'm, I'm not gonna have time to discuss all of the different personalities that they meet. It's a wonderful story, um, but they, they meet all kinds of people. And those, uh, each of these individuals give Ram and Lakshman and Sita um, some clues about how their journey should proceed. You see that, that there are different characters who, who give them important information all throughout this story uh, that let them know that this is the next step that they need to take. Um, so they met, they met one person, um, and his name was Viradha and Viradha had been, uh, turned into a, a Rakshasa 
and um, and so he fought with Ram and Lakshman, and he was killed. And as he was killed, um, a celestial shining person came up out of his body, and and that person had been Tumburu, and Tumburu had been a Gandharva who had been the servant of Kuvera, who's a as we heard in Bhagavad Gita, who's the, the treasurer among the demigods. And um, Timburu had made an offense against Kuvera and Kuvera had cursed him to become a Rakshasa and said that when he was killed by this personality, Ram, then he could return to heaven. And so um, they met Timburu. Um, Timburu revealed that story to them and then he returned to heaven. Then they met another person, the sage Augustia. So Augustia Muni is a, one of the famous sages from Vedic lore. And Augustia gave him a, a golden bow that had been the bow of Lord Vishnu and two quivers of uh, inexhaustible quivers. So uh, an inexhaustible, a normal quiver, of course, would be exhaustible. You draw, if there are 12 arrows and you draw 12 out and you shoot 12 arrows, now you're out of arrows. Um, but uh, an inexhaustible quiver, of course, would be would be wonderful. It's practically like playing a video game. You have an inexhaustible amount of ammunition, um, and to have two of them, what to, what to speak of having two of such quivers? Um, so Augustus suggested that they move to a place called Panchavati, um, and Panchavati is the home of of sages and he said that that would be a, a really nice place for them to live in the forest. And so on their way to Panchavati, they met the king of the vultures, Jatayu. And Jatayu um, had been a friend to Dasarath. And so um, when they met, um, Jatayu was describing that, friend, that friendship that he had had with Dasarath and agreed to basically become part of their party. And Jatayu traveled with them to Panchavati. I wanna read just, I wanna read a few things. Um, so, um, So after arriving at Panchavati, Ram selected a spot near the sacred river Godavari. Lakshman sanctified the spot with water from the river with, and with prayers. He constructed a large hut with mud walls supported on strong wooden pillars, its thatched roof with kusha grass and reeds. Ram was delighted to see the beautiful cottage and he embraced Lakshman. With you as his son, Virtuous and always attentive to my needs and desires, surely the king still lives. Ram said affectionately, O Lakshman, you are to me as good as my beloved father. Ram and Sita settled in the dwelling and lived peacefully, bathing in the Godavari and enjoying the sights and sounds of the forest. Um, so I just want to point out just like a little bit, and I'm I'm drawing, I'm trying to draw a little bit out from the text, but you can see that there's like a, a bit of paternal affection and caregiving that comes from Lakshman's side. Um, and Ram is saying that through you, our father Dasarath still lives. So 
Lakshman is caring for Ram and Sita while they're in the forest. And you see, he's doing all kinds of menial things. He's, he builds several houses. Uh, he's chopping firewood. He's cutting brush with his sword. He's clearing a trail and he's slashing things like you might see somebody going through the forest. Um, like Madhavindrapuri and all those Brajbasis, they had a he had a dream and they were going to get the Gopal deity. So they're slashing a trail through the forest. So Lakshman's doing that same thing for Ram and Sita. Um, so you, you can see how Guru Maharaj sometimes talks about how uh, Lord Balaram is just eight days older than Krishna, but he's been imbued by Mother Yashoda with some affectionate, uh, paternal, maternal, parental affection. So we see, um, we see that same kind of exchange here um, at the end of the at the end of the sixth chapter. So, um, at the end of the sixth chapter, this is just my this is just a little bit of an aside. Um, in, I'm reading Krishna Dharma's version. Um, there it is. It's Krishna Dharma's version of the Ramayana. Of course, Ramayana is. Uh, 24,000 Sanskrit verses written by Valmiki. Um, and Valmiki had the good fortune uh, within the story to meet Ram, Lakshman, and Sita um, and told them and told them a little bit more about his own story. Oh, I wish I had marked that page. It's a very, it's an interesting story. Um, and a little different than the story that we told in the in the first part. But Valmiki, of course, had been a had been a bandit, a dacoit, and um, and so one day the sage Narda appeared, um, and this person Valmiki, he had another name at the time. Um, he was going to rob the sage Narada. And so Narada said, well, you, you can rob me, but let's talk about this for just a moment. Um, let's talk about why you're doing this and what's really going on behind the scenes in your life. He said that actually like the way you you're robbing these people and sometimes you're killing them to take their things. You're, it comes at a great cost to you. And Valmiki could not understand. He said, what do, you, what do you mean it comes at a great cost to me? All I have to do is rob them, kill them and rob them. It just takes a few minutes of my time. And, he, and so Narda explained to him about the nature of karma. And he said, all these things, all this anxiety that you're creating for these people and all the trauma that you're creating in their lives, uh, that's going to be revisited upon you in the future. And, um, and why are you doing all this? And Valmiki said, well, I have, I have this family. And family is always pushing me to to gain a little more. They always they always want some more stuff. They always want some more money, and so I have to go out and and get that. And so Narada said, "Well, knowing this the nature of karma, you should go and ask your family if they're willing to share in the results of the bad karma that you're collecting." And then if you still feel compelled, then you can come back and then you can rob me or whatever. Um, so this person, Valmiki, he goes to his family and he says, so dear family, my wife, my children, would you be willing to share with me um, 
the results of all the bad karma that I'm getting from robbing all these people in this way. And, and his wife and family, they say, no, Val Mickey, like that's your karma. We don't want to have anything to do with that karma. That's on you, buddy. Um, and so that was sort of an epiphany for Val Mickey. And he thought, well, they, they're happy to share in all of the happiness and they don't want to share with, with me any of the distress. They want all of the sukha and none of the dukkha, so to speak, all of the happiness and none of the distress. And so that's like a, a huge realization for Val Mickey. And so he, he leaves his family behind. He leaves his uh, life of being a dacoit behind and he takes up the instructions of Narada and begins to chant uh, according to the directions of Narada. He chants Mara, 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 which is the word that means death. And um, so of course, the, the more he chants Mara, Mara, gradually that chanting becomes Ram, 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 Ram. And um, so he's chanting the names of Ram. Um, so anyway, that was the, I wanted to recount that story of how the, the author had met the, the hero and the heroes and heroine of the story. So, um, so anyway, jumping back into the end of chapter six, um, some time has passed now. Um, after they, um, they lived um, at Panchavati and they had met the sage Agastya and um, they were living in that house of, on the bank of the Godavari. And, um, and then all of a sudden in chapter 10, it says, one day, just as their 10th winter in exile was ending, a powerful Rakshasi, Serpanaka, a sister of Ravana came to the Panchavati region. So 10 years have passed. Uh, for, from the end of chapter six to the beginning of chapter seven, 10 years. So I guess they had lived peacefully in the forest. They were collecting fruits and roots, enjoying the river, enjoying the, the, the sights and sounds of the forest. And all of a sudden, Serpanica arrives. And Serpanica um, is a powerful Rakshasi. She's the sister of Ravana. And so she, she comes and she sees, um, she sees Ram from a distance and she has a, the power to shape shift. She has the power to change her form. So normally she looks like a powerful Rakshasi, uh, but she changed herself into the form of a, a beautiful woman, human woman. And she approaches Ram and she says, um, oh Ram, of what use to you is this skinny and deformed woman? throwing a disdainful glance at Sita. Accept me as your wife. I am possessed of great power. After, devour, after devouring this wife and brother of yours, I will carry you, to, carry you to high mountain reaches where we can sport together in joy. And Ram laughed heartily and he decided to joke with this woman. And he says, you know, dear Serpanica, I'm already married. This is my wife, Sita. Uh, however, my younger brother Ram um, is more available. And so Lakshman caught Ram's joking mood. And so he begins to joke with Serpanika and he says, Serpanika, um, I'm also not the right catch for you. I'm the, I'm the, uh, I'm the servant of Ram um, and Sita. 
And so if you were to get married with me, or if we were to be involved with each other, then you would have to be sort of a second class person. You would, you would also have to be the servant of Sita. You would be the maid servant of Sita. So you don't seem like the kind of, of woman who wants to be in the, the back seat. And um, Sir, says here, Serpanika was too simple to catch the joke. And she took Lakshman's words to be true and turned again towards Ram, who was the, the primary guy. And um, he said, why do you cling to this hideous wife of yours? She asked, growing impatient. If it is her who stands between you and me, I shall now devour her, even as you watch. We shall then roam together at ease. So uh, at that point, Serpanika rushed towards Sita and it became a real threat. And so immediately um, Ram directed Lakshman to protect Sita. So he grabbed his sword and he chopped off the nose and the ears of Serpanika. And Serpanika realized like, wow, these are like two humans, but clearly they're extremely powerful. Um, so she ran away in fear, which is really out of the ordinary because she's a powerful Rakshasi. And these are just humans like Rakshasa is like at least twice the size of a person able to fight with many persons and be victorious. Um, but she had this recognition that these Ram and, and Lakshman, they're extremely powerful guys. Um, they have all these weapons and armor, and, but they're, they're kind of an interesting um, amalgamation of Brahmins and princes and ascetics and satrias. They have all these different components um, in their appearance. They're dressed in... Uh, the bark of trees, but they, but she also has the, the ability to see that Ram and Lakshman are quite pure hearted and that they have control of their senses. So, um, so as chapter seven goes on, um, Kara is a, one of the brothers of Ravana. He comes and attacks Ram. Ram requests Lakshman to go and take Sita away to a cave where she'll be off the battlefield and Lakshman can protect Sita there. So um, Ram faces, this is Ram's first battle with the, the Rakshasas. And for a long time, all these sages have been asking Ram to protect them from all these Rakshasas. So Ram is excited for this battle. And so Ram, he stands out like on the edge of a mountaintop. And he stands there and he looks like Lord Shiva. He's powerful um, and effulgent at the time of the destruction of the universe. And he's got his weapons um, and he's got his like different, like two bows, one, one bow of Lord Vishnu that he received from Parashuram and another bow of Lord Vishnu that he see, received from Augusta Muni. And he's standing there and he's got like a few inexhaustible quivers of arrows with all these uh, horrific looking weapons and the the rakshasas attack and they you know they come from different directions and they create uh, mystical illusions and ram is able to send arrow after arrow you can you can see him firing his bow 
almost constantly. He moves so quickly, you can't even see him draw an arrow from the quiver before another arrow is fired and streams of arrows and he's cutting down the charioteers of the Rakshasas and he's killing the horses and he's smashing the chariots and smashing the bows and slicing the necks and chopping off the arms and the arms and the limbs. They're falling to earth, still holding these uh, maces and spike clubs and uh, iron bars, the weapons of the Rakshasas. And so more or less, Ram makes really quick work of Kara and all these 14,000 Rakshasas. So um, anyway, we're getting a little short on time. I probably need to be a little quick. So Ravana had performed all these austerities in order to get to get these boons granted by Lord Brahma. Um, try and read to you just really quickly about the nature of these things. Thousands of years ago, this is about Ravana's austerities. Thousands of years ago, he had gone to the Himalayas intent on performing austerities in order to gain vast material opulence. It was then that he approached Brahma. Surviving on air alone, he took only one breath a day. When he failed after a long time to propitiate Brahma, he began a sacrifice. He cut off his 20 arms one by one and offered them into the fire to please Brahma. When Brahma still did not appear, the demon began to cut off each of his 10 heads and then placed them in the fire. At last, Brahma appeared before him. Ravana then secured his boon, which he now recalled. He had not asked for immunity to humans, but how could any human even look at him, never mind fight with him? Even the gods fled in fear when he mounted his chariot for battle. This Ram sounded most unusual, but nevertheless, Ravana was proud of his hard-won strength and felt sure he could kill Ram without difficulty. So, um, Sarpanika uh, ran back to Ravana and she had been disfigured with her nose cut off and her ears cut off. And she says, just look what Ram and Lakshman have done to me. These, these personalities are not ordinary sages or ascetics wandering through the forest with their matted hair. Just see what they've done to me. I'm a powerful Rakshasi. Um, and so she incites Ravana to go and fight with him. He recalls he, of course, recalls all this power that he's received from Lord Brahma, and he's fearless. So Ravana goes to solicit the help of Maricha. And so Maricha had already fought with Lord Ram. If you remember back in the, in the beginning of our story, uh, Maricha had already fought with Ram while he was traveling with the sage Vishwamitra, and he had... Um, been hit by one of the weapons of Ram and it had carried him 800 miles out into the ocean and it had taken him clearly out of the battle and put him out of commission for some time but it hadn't killed him and so Maricha understood like the power of Ram um, let's see if I can find um, this description so Ravana comes and he says um, I need for you to come with me and we're gonna, we're gonna create a strategy um, to, 
to steal this woman, Sita, who is clearly so beautiful. I heard from my sister, Serpanika, how beautiful Sita is. So I want to destroy this person, Ram, and I, and I want to steal his wife. And so uh, Maricha says, do not cast yourself headlong into the fierce fire of Ram blazing on the battlefield. Upon encountering Ram, you will relinquish for good your throne, your happiness, and your very life. Ram's glory is immeasurable. You will no more prove able to remove Sita from Ram than you could take from the sun its brilliance. O Ravana, remain peacefully in Lanka. Do not bring about your own destruction along with that of your relatives, friends, and entire kingdom. Ravana blazed with anger. He cared nothing for Maricha's well-intended advice. Um, so he solicits the help of Maricha. And basically, um, Maricha says, this is a bad idea. There's nothing good can come from this. And Ravana says, listen, I've already spoken with you about this once. I'm going to need your help and you're going to give it to me. If you like, and you basically have a choice, you're either going to be killed by Ram, uh, who you have such regard for, obviously, or you're going to be killed by me. So doesn't take Maricha long to decide, well, probably better to be, um, better to be killed by Ram. So Maricha disguises himself as a deer, and it's just an exceptional sounding deer. It's a has a beautiful golden color, uh, has bright black shining hooves, and it has uh, a blue, a bluish belly and horns that look like sapphires. And so Ram and Sita and Lakshman are living there um, in their hermitage. And so Maricha appears and Sita says, oh, Ram, look at, look at this beautiful deer. Please go and catch it for me. Um, so Ram, says, Ram thinks to himself, I, I don't think this is an ordinary deer. We don't see any, ordin we don't ordinarily see deer that are like this. And, um, and so he goes off uh, and he, but he wants to please Sita. He wants to, he sometimes brings her other things from the forest. Um, and so he asks Lakshman to stay behind and protect Sita. And um, and so he goes off and he's, he's chasing this deer for a long way, miles and miles away. Um, and the text is interesting because it says that um, Ram thought this, this must not be any ordinary deer because he's staying ahead of me. I'm not able to pursue him and catch him. Um, which in one sense, in my mind, it, it shows the superhumanness of Ram or it shows the superhumanness of people who are living in that yuga uh, because if an ordinary person sees an ordinary deer, um, if you've ever seen a deer in the forest and caused it to run away, they run away at like 40 or 50 miles an hour. It seems like you could never catch one. You could, you could never even keep up with it for a, a moment. Um, they, you know, 
they cover the whole length of the whole forest before you can run 20 yards. So um, anyway, Ram pulls out an arrow from his quiver and shoots the deer. Um, and with his final dying breath, Maricha uh, makes his voice sound like the voice of Ram. And he says, Lakshman, help. And Sita, of course, is back at, back at their little ashram and says, Lakshman, do you, did you hear that? It sounds like the voice of Ram. He must be in trouble. You should go and protect him. Make sure that he's safe. Um, and Lakshman disagrees. He, he thought this, this must be some kind of trickery. Um, I've seen Ram dispatch 14,000 different Rakshasas and their powerful generals. Um, I can't imagine how uh, Ram would ever be in trouble. And of course, so at this point, we Sita says something that's uh, a little cruel to Lakshman and says, oh, you, do you not want your brother to be protected? Maybe that, maybe you have a desire to have me for yourself. And, and so Lakshman had never felt that way. And, um, and so that inspired some of his anger. Um, and so he made a magical circle around Sita. Um, I'm not exactly sure how he did that, um, but he said, stay within this circle. If you don't step outside of this circle, you'll be protected from everything. And, um, and so he went to look for Ram. And so while he was, while he ran away, of course, uh, Ravana hadn't been far behind. He had brought Maricha there on his chariot and waited there uh, in the guise of a, an ascetic himself. And he, um, and so he approaches Sita as an ascetic and he's chanting Vedic mantras and he looks like an ascetic. Um, and he describes her, uh, he describes Sita's beauty. I meant to give you the, the description from Serpanica as well, but we're short on time. It's a, a, I like how it's written about the description of Sita's beauty. Um, so I'll give you Ravana's description. Oh, most beautiful lady, you possess the splendor of gold and silver adorned with celestial gems. Your form is radiant and your face, eyes, and delicate limbs are like so many blooming lotuses. Are you a goddess or an apsara descended from heaven? Your body is perfectly formed and your face resembles the full moon with your dark eyes and full lips playing over teeth resembling rows of pearls. You've captured my heart. My mind is stolen away by your beauty, which has not been matched anywhere in the three worlds. So of course, Sita um, is not persuaded by Ravana and he looks like an ascetic while he's saying all these things. Um, and so Sita welcomes him um, and tells him a bit about herself, that she's the wife of Ram. Uh, and on the request of his father, they've gone together to live in the forest and that she is the daughter of King Janak and asks, who are you? And Ravana just 
uh, describes honestly his own position. He says that I am Ravana, the celebrated ruler of all the Rakshasas. The gods, demons, and human beings are struck with terror upon hearing my name. O Sita, now that I have seen you, O most beautiful woman, I can no longer find delight with my own consorts. Become my foremost queen. Roam with me at ease in my golden city, Lanka. You will live in splendid live in a splendid palace adorned with jewels with 5,000 handmaids to serve you. So, um, of course, Sita is not interested to become the, the principal queen of Ravana. And she says that, um, that of course, that, um, I like this one too. She says, you could no more touch me than you could the sun's fiery orb. Your desire is sure to bring about your death, O vile Rakshasa. You seek to extract a tooth from the jaws of a powerful and hungry lion. You wish to carry in one hand the massive Mount Mandara. You desire to swim across the vast ocean, having tied around your neck a huge stone slab. You, who would steal the beloved consort of Ram, are trying to snatch away the sun and moon with your bare hands. So she, she knows exactly what will happen um, to Ravana and tries to warn him as, as much as Maricha did. But she's stolen by Ravana and flown away on his chariot. And as they're flying away, Jatayu sees what's happening uh, Jatayu has been their companion there for some time. So Jatayu has gotten to be older, but attacks Ravana all the same. And he attacks Ravana with his beak and his talons and he tears down Ravana's back and grabs Ravana by the hair and he slings him around. And Jatayu attacks the and kills the charioteer of Ravana and he kills the, um, the asses. So Ravana's charity is drawn by these mules that have these goblin-type heads. Um, and he, Jatayu kills them and he smashes the chariot and they fall to the ground. And as they're falling to the ground, uh, Ravana cuts off the wings of Jatayu. Um, but before they could reach the ground, Sita took her cloth and wrapped up her jewelry an anklet and some armlets and a necklace because she had seen that there were some monkeys sitting on a mountaintop not far away. Um, and so she tossed that bundle of jewelry in their direction. Um, so um, so, um, so without a chariot, Ravana, took Sita and flew to Lanka. And he shows her all around his beautiful palace, which is gold and silver and ivory and everywhere there are gems that illuminate the palace and, uh, and says to Sita that she should become his queen. Um, and that basically she, she, he knows that she's not immediately interested. And he says, I'll give you a year um, and if you don't concede to become my wife in a year then I'll simply have my servants um, chop you up 
and I'll have you served as my breakfast after a year. Um, so um, in the meantime, Lakshman is running out to find where Ram is. And so he finds Ram and uh, Ram of course had run miles from their little cottage um, in pursuit of Maricha. And so Lakshman arrives to where Ram is. And of course, Ram is fine. Um, it's not like Sita had suggested that Ram was in danger and needed some help. And so Ram and Lakshman, they sort of simultaneously realize what's happened. And, um, and Ram becomes angry with Lakshman. And he says, why did you leave Sita? Um, how could you leave her? I asked you to stay back and protect her. And Lakshman explained the whole thing um, that he had that he had said that there would when they heard that voice from afar that he knew that that Ram wouldn't need any protection. But Sita had said some cruel things which had simply not been true. And um, but that and um, and so basically he was forced um, to go and help Ram even though he knew that he didn't need any help. So Ram was mad at Lakshman. Lakshman was mad at himself. Um, and so uh, you, you have to, this week I, I, I couldn't help but think about like the humanity um, that's given here in the story about Lakshman who had tried so much over so many years, he'd sacrificed to, to, um, to serve Ram and Sita. He'd left Ayodhya, even though he hadn't been banished, and he left his own wife, Ermila, and, um, and he had done, um, he'd built these cottages, taken care of Ram and Sita, and protected Sita in so many ways, and foraged for their roots and fruits, and now the disaster has struck, and, um, and so Lakshman has been hurt verbally by Sita and had been hurt also by Ram um, because Ram is now angry with him. So anyway, there's quite a bit more to the story. Um, I thought that I might be able to squeeze all of this in, um, but it seems like we're just about out of time. Um, so I'll share with you one more thing um, about the nature of separation, which kind of, which will, at least for this, class session bring us a little bit full circle so when lord chaitanya um, was traveling through south india or traveling i'm not sure where um he met this person named ramdas vipra and ramdas vipra was one of the devotees of lord ram and um So um, I'll, re I'll read to you just a little bit about his meeting with Ram Das Vipra. When Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu arrived at Southern Mathura from Kamakosti, he met a Brahmana. The Brahmana who met Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu invited the Lord to his home. This Brahmana was a great devotee and an authority on Lord Sri Ramachandra. He was always detached from material activities. After bathing in the river Kritamala, Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu went to the Brahmana's house to take lunch, but
but he saw that the food was unprepared because the Brahmana had not cooked it. Seeing this, Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu said, my dear sir, please tell me why you have not cooked. It is already noon. It's already 12.30. The Brahmana replied, my dear Lord, we are living in the forest. For the time being, we cannot get all the ingredients for cooking. When Lakshman brings all the vegetables, fruits, and roots from the forest, Sita will do the necessary cooking. Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was very satisfied to hear about the Brahmana's method of worship. Finally, the Brahmana hastily made arrangements for cooking. But Sri Chaitanya, Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu took his lunch about three o'clock, but the Brahmana, being very sorrowful, fasted. And while the Brahmana was fasting, Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu asked him, Why are you fasting? Why are you so unhappy? Why are you so worried? The Brahmana replied, I have no reason to live. I shall give up my life by entering either fire or water. My dear sir, Mother Sita is the mother of the universe and the supreme goddess of fortune. She has been touched by the demon Ravana, and I am troubled upon hearing this news. Sir, due to my unhappiness, I cannot continue living. Although my body is burning, my life is not leaving. Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu replied, please do not think this way any longer. You are a learned pundit. Why don't you consider the case? So Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu continued, Sita Devi, the dear most wife of the Supreme Lord Ramachandra certainly has a spiritual form full of bliss. No one can see her with material eyes for no materialist has such power. To say nothing of touching Mother Sita, a person with material senses cannot even see her. When Ravana kidnapped her, he kidnapped only her material illusory form. So from there, he had lunch with this Brahmana and left him and realized that this person is in an awful state, uh, that he's uh, completely absorbed in a state of samadhi, in a state of absorption uh, in these pastimes of Ramachandra and basically fasting and um, in a state of despair. So as Lord Chaitanya continued in his travels, he found, um, he found some, uh, some books. Um, he found one of the chapters of Brahma Samhita. And then he, he also found another book called the Krishna Karnamrita. And so Sri Chaitanya, um, he kept these books and let's see. I'll just, I'll finish with this. If you'll bear with me just a moment. Um, so after that, Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu delivered the celebrated Saptatala trees, took his bath at the Setu Bande Rameshvar and visited the temple of Lord Shiva known as Rameshvar. At Rameshvar, Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu had a chance to read the Kurma Purana in which he discovered that the form of Sita, kidnapped by Ravana, was not that of the real Sita, but a mere shadow representation. Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was very glad to read about the false Sita, and he remembered his meeting with Ram Dasvipra, who was very sorry that Mother Sita had been kidnapped by Ravana. Indeed, Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu eagerly tore this page from the Kurma Purana, and although the book was very old, and he later showed that page to Ramdas Vipra, whose unhappiness was mitigated. Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu also found two other books, namely the Brahma Samhita 
and the Krishna Karanamrita. Knowing these books to be excellent, he took them to present to his devotees. So Lord Chaitanya had made a friendship with this person, Ram Dasvipra, and to allay his fears, he brought him that whole, uh, the whole of the original text of Kurma Purana with those pages that describe about the nature of Mother Sita and how her real form had not been captured, but the, the god of fire, Agni Dev, had come and replaced um, the real Sita with a Maya Sita before she could be captured by Ravana. So I should probably stop here. I've gone a little bit over time, um, but there's, there's quite a bit more to the story. There's the meeting of Hanuman, there's the meet, meeting with Sugriva, um, the meeting with Jambavan, and then the battle with Ravana, and the burning of Lanka, the restoration of Sita. There's, there's quite a bit more to tell, uh, but we're out of time for today. So thank you very much uh, for all of your kind attention. Uh, thank you for being with us. And um, um, hopefully we'll be connected with all of you again soon. And until then, Hare Krishna. Thank you very much to Sakirati and Shamananda. You guys have a wonderful day. Hare Krishna. Thank you so much for the wonderful series. Thank you. Thank you. Hare Krishna. Adiós.